All right. <laughs> Lena. Um, hi, everyone. My name is uh, Lena Gao. Um, I grew up from southwest of China, Sichuan province. Um, I don't know if there's a moment that you feel it's so important and the decision making will impact the entire of your life. I still remember that moment I had with my dad when I was eight years old. Um, one summer evening after dinner, my father asked me to stand, uh, sit next to him. He started to talk. He said, in the morning, the principal of my elementary school called him and asked if they can send me to a Mandarin Enhanced Program. It's a training program hosted by our school district in the province. Um, and the purpose of that was just to, to help each school um, develop one kid who, who can be the host of big events. So it's a great honor. And I asked my dad, did you say yes? And he said, no. Uh, because I want to ask your thoughts first. And I was amazed because in our culture, you normally don't ask the principal to wait when they offer you something great for you. And then secondly, I was the reason that my father um, told the principal that he needs to have more time to make the decision. So um, my, I told my dad I want to go, but he also said you have to make two commitments. The first one is you need to finish all the homework on time and make up all the lessons that you will miss. And the second one is you are going to take bus by yourself to the training center. Um, and I thought about it and said yes to him. I think um, after all the development that my father tried to give me of making the decision by myself, mm -hmm. I'm more confident of making the decision uh, with analytics and also be responsible. You know, also, I can speak Mandarin fluently. Yeah. <laughs> Lena, a, a couple things. Uh, number one, how you add the context about culturally making a principal wait helps us to understand that and also even like think age-wise and gender-wise of uh, and it also shows how do you make somebody feel important like this is a genuine way of like how we might be able to copy and think about the impact honoring somebody does can affect even years later how you now are with your business partners and trusting your confidence all right Rajana hi my name is Rosanna and uh, you all have uh, been great sharing your stories. So you've actually inspired me to change my story that I shared with David uh, to be a little bit more vulnerable. And like Lena, I've mentioned, I do have a, share, a story to share about um, my dad and I, uh, this one conversation that actually shaped um, of a person that I am today. Um, originally, I come from former Soviet Union, and um, uh, during the 19, uh, 90s years, uh, we had an in-country uh, conflict, which resulted us to escape our home and move to um, a different one of the other cities um, of Soviet, for, former Soviet Union. Um, after which, uh, we weren't doing so well. We were our status was a refugee. We didn't have much and. Uh, we were lucky enough to make it to a list of you know, um, refugees who could potentially come to the United States if we were to pass the interview in Moscow, capital of former Soviet Union. Um, so once again, we were lucky enough to pass that and uh, we, um, it was announced to all of our relatives and uh, within the neighborhood that we were lucky to come to the United States. 
um, we were, um, there was a great uh, ceremony basically that was thrown for us as part of us, our farewell party. Um, United States um, is, uh, is a land of opportunities. When we came, migrated to St. Louis, Missouri, it was nothing like uh, <laughs> what we've imagined. We had no curtains. Uh, instead of curtains, we had sheets nailed to, the, to each window. We didn't have any beds. Um, and I've cried every single night. My father would come into my room and actually, you know, uh, comfort me. Um, but there was one day when he came to me and he said, Rosanna, you have to understand that if we ever go back, I will be a failure and I can't do that. And at that point, I stopped. And, um, yeah, just take a breath. So today, um, I take it to his words mean so much where they've put so many hours day and night working at the factory and they made it and my brother and I are here so I am resilient and um, I love what I do yeah. and challenge is no challenge for me yeah aren't we glad she changed her talk you know uh, one thing you are self-aware and you're able to use emotion to inspire us to be our best self and to get through difficulties as well. And, you know, even just the storytelling of the sheets as curtains. You know, sometimes people, we go through and we try to figure out what details to keep or not. Three words helps us paint that picture and, and to understand how meaningful that moment was. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> So my name is Vivian. I came from uh, China. I grew up in China. I was a six, six years old naughty girl uh, who didn't finish her homework again. Um, a sunny afternoon, uh, my classmate, one of my classmates passing by my house, shot Vivian's mom. Vivian did not finish her homework again. <laughs> Miss Young wants me to tell you that. Bye. <laughs> and I still remember my mom was doing dishes and she had a handful of chopsticks still dropping water down to the floor and hit me hard on my arm. And I was oh, hurt so much and I was trying to run away. And she grabbed me and also grabbed a broomstick and hit me with the broomstick on my hip several times until the, broom, the old broomstick broke. So you, what you're in, in your mind, you may think my mom is brutal, but it's part of the Chinese culture. So, you know, almost all Chinese kids grow up, you know, by punished by their parents so that we uh, can be a better person. But, um, but guess what? After that, I always finish my homework on time. And the way my, I, you know, I, 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 I love my mom. I know she wants the, the best for me. And the way my mom uh, educated me um, to form me, define me to be a respectful, and a responsive person. Yes. Wow. You reframe well <coughs> and apply the idea of assume positive intent. And you add that context to help us to think what we might be uh, clarify about the culture or context. And she said, to help me be a better person. So when you can look back instead of as a victim, but rather to see 
you know, that she's not a villain, but she's a hero to help you become who you are today. Boy, if we can all have that same ability to reframe our past, we are going to be so much happier. Great. All right, Melissa. Hello, I'm Melissa. Um, so my story is when I was about seven years old. Um, in Texas, I grew up with my family. I have uh, my single mom and three brothers. So you can only imagine life with three brothers older. I was the only girl. Um, and so I remember I was, as a young child, I was called the boss of the family because I kept my brothers in line and made sure we did our homework on time before my mom came, make sure we didn't get in trouble. Um, but then I also, there was this double standard where um, certain things I couldn't do because I was a girl and like I didn't understand that and so it made me kind of upset when I was growing up and then I remember one day my mom asked me oh what do you want to be when you grow up and I said oh I want to be the first female president of the United States mm -hmm. I was seven I was just like I thought that'd be a really cool job so then uh, my brother who of course loves me um, said no you can't and I was like what what do you mean I can't I'm the boss <laughs> and then he said it wasn't because my abilities but he's like oh at that time he was young too and he was like you would be assassinated I was like whoa like I didn't even think of that but he was more concerned about like society and what society would think of a woman president and so my mom told me don't listen to him you could do anything and be anything you want and so that's stuck with me throughout my life and I'm very persistent so whenever someone tells me no I'm like no there has to be a way to do it and um, I didn't become the first president of the United States, but I'm excited to see when that will happen. Yeah, great. <laughs> Melissa, you're helping us to get, I don't know if you like that glass ceiling or whatever, no matter what, if it's what we own think, like I said to you guys before, don't believe everything you think, right? And also don't believe everything society thinks. Like you're showing us that we can have new thoughts. A world can change its thought. And even here, even if it's not that your president your your thought process and to achieve and the confidence that you have is inspiring. Thank you. Fazul. Hi, my name is Fazul. I grew up in Bangladesh. I don't know how many of you are familiar with it, but it's a very poor country with uh, the main mode of transportation <coughs> in Bangladesh is called a rickshaw. How, how many of you are familiar with a rickshaw? Great. So I don't have to explain. I want to talk about the time, the first, only, and last time I got mugged. I was in a rickshaw with my friend. This was uh, back in 11th grade uh, with my friend and his mom. We were just coming back. He, uh, I think we just went somewhere to get you know, food or something. We were coming back and the, it was a three person activity. Uh, one person jumped in for the rickshaw. So the pers person pulling the rickshaw had to stop. One person came up this way. I was sitting on the left side. The other person came out that way and both of them pulled out knives big knives, I remember, and one of them held a knife at my throat. But obviously, I was, in 11th uh, I was in 11th grade, I had no money, I had a cell phone, I was like, I'll just give away the cell phone. But um, ultimately, it turned out well. The, uh, my friend's mom had some jewelry that they just took and ran away, so they were okay with it. The event was not traumatizing, yeah. because that's, you learn? that's the reality of the situation in Bangladesh. What I learned was, even when that happened, I realized I became really dispassionate I was, I kind of had an out-of-body experience where I was evaluating the situation from outside. I was evaluating how I can run away, what, the, what, the, uh, what are the things that could go wrong. I was deciding what to do, how to call my parents if I got stabbed. So say, I am? And now I have a, a technique, which I use sometimes when I'm under extremely stressful situations, 
to kind of become dispassionate and evaluate the situation from a third-party perspective. Yeah, thank you. You're also first party engaging to raise your hand and say, hey, who knows about a rickshaw? Like, especially your audience aware that, yep, it's toward the end of class and like how to keep us re-engaged. Great, all right, Shelly, the birthday girl! Yay. Yay. <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, I grew up about two hours outside of Seattle in a somewhat rural community in the Yakima Valley, um, if any of you are familiar. But um, my defining moment was when I was a freshman in high school, um, I was elected um, student president. But at that point, I didn't really know what that entailed. Um, and one kind of early on in the school year, the principal came to me and said, you know, Shelly, we're going to have an assembly in 30 minutes. Um, we've had a little bit of a mix-up with the school dance. We need to change the date from Friday to Saturday. So what are you going to do about it? Um, this dance was sponsored by my freshman class. And so um, he's like, you know, figure out what you need from everybody. Um, you've got the floor in 30 minutes. And at that point, I was sort of like, oh my goodness. You know, I don't, I don't know. I've never done it. I haven't even been to a dance. I don't know what I'm <coughs> supposed to do. So I started, you know, making a list of things that I thought might make sense. You know, you got to make sure you got people to volunteer to decorate and refreshments and DJ and all the logistics. Um, anyhow, so you know, in 30 minutes, I sort of walked into the gymnasium. We had 100 students assembled. Um, and I sort of delivered the message and started asking for volunteers to do things. And I realized that this was an opportunity presented by my principal to sort of step up and sort of take that leadership role. Um, looking back, I kind of just did it. I think it happened very quickly. It all went really well. Um, but looking back now, I thought, you know, he was really giving me an opportunity. And so therefore, I think my self-confidence in the end was, was increased because yeah. of that experience. You know what? You're encouraging us to be brave and handle reorgs and changes and last-minute requests that we're going to remember your story that, um, that we can rise to the occasion to. Thank you. All right, Monica. Hi, my name is Monica. Um, when I was younger, I was a swimmer. And I remember when I was about 13 that a lot of my friends had qualified for this big swim meet that I had not yet qualified for. And so I made the decision one year. I was like, okay, I'm gonna train really hard. I'm gonna buckle down and I'm gonna do this. Mm -hmm. So it required, I was swimming every day after school. So I started practicing twice a week before school as well, swimming on Saturdays. And then it came up to this big meet that I had to qualify for. And I remember, I remember the, the event. I remember diving into the water. I remember how I felt. I felt great. It didn't even feel like I was trying. I remember looking at my coach and he was like giving me like the sign. I, I knew my pace was good. And I remember hitting the wall and I qualified for the big swimming. So I was super excited. But I think from that moment it was, I'm very dedicated. And I'm, if I put my mind to something, there is nothing that can get in my way to stop me. That's it, yeah. So. You know what, you're so contagious. It makes us want to have that sense of accomplishment and you tie the connection really well between the effort and the result. Yeah. All right, Priya. Yay. I'm the last one, so for people who are still paying attention, hopefully this is a short story. Uh, so this is when I was, I think, 10 or 11. I was trying to remember when Shelly and I were talking and I couldn't, but I think it's somewhere around 10, 11, 12. So my friend, my, she's one of my best friends and I, we used to go for a music class. So we grew up in Bombay and so this is uh, Indian classical music. And so I was super interested in it and I would go home, be the one who practices all the notes and make sure I'm right and you know, next time we show up, like we are ready to go. And she's the one once 
she leaves the class she doesn't pick up the book until it's time to go the next time so she never practices so we go uh, to this one class and we were asked to sing a specific song so I go first and I'm kind of like you know waiting with bated breath to hear what the teacher has to say and then she goes next she the teacher doesn't say anything at that point and then she goes next and then she fumbles at a few places I thought I did well and so then we are both waiting for the teacher's evaluation and she says, oh Priya, you are great. You practice really well. You are very good at that. And then she says, but Tanaya has a much better voice. So for me as 11 year old, like at that point, I was like crushed because I was like, I'm the one, because I know that I'm the one who practices and she never does. And it was almost like, you know, at that point felt like for a few years, I still went back to that incident and yeah. be like, you know, well, uh, what'd you, you learn? Know, I yeah, I, as a kid, it was crushing, but I think it took me a few years to kind of get a learning out of it. That you know, you cannot judge a book by its cover. A lot of times, things are not as obvious as they seem. So even when I'm working with people from different backgrounds and ethnicities, you know, there is something good in every person. So you give them a chance versus <coughs> you know, try like in your first couple meetings, make a you know mental picture that this person is like this. So I think. It has made me more open, and I am a much better person because of that. Yeah. And I'm still friends, so we still joke about it as if like it's yeah. a joke between us. But I think it did teach me something to kind of carry through yeah. life. Priya, you're also so insightful too. That how to be like more accepting of what is like. Maybe we're not as tall or short as we want to be. Maybe our voice isn't as much that we can move the dial with practice, and also, um, I, I guess, just to not complain when things don't go our way. 